You're listening to a sermon from Free City Church in Lawrence, Kansas. We exist to extend the glory of God by making disciples through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Good morning. My name is Kevin Gray. I am in the Stuart Wanniger City Group. Uh, There it is. I've been attending Free City for about two and a half years now. I drum on the worship team. I've helped out with kids. I've helped out with the prayer team and greeting team. Um, So I am happy to bring the word to you this morning. I will be reading uh, Psalm 66 this morning. Uh, So we're going to take a brief break out of Matthew. In the black Bibles uh, that you might find on your uh, under your seat by your feet, I am on page 450. Again, this is Psalm 66. So I'll read the text and then ask you to pray with me. So this is what the word of the Lord says this morning. Shout for joy to God, all the earth. Sing the glory of his name. Give to him glorious praise. Say to God, how awesome are your deeds. So great is your power that your enemies come cringing to you. All the earth worships you and sings praises to you. They sing praises to your name. Come and see what God has done. He is awesome in his deeds toward the children of man. He turned the sea into dry land. They passed through the river on foot. There did we rejoice in him who rules by his mighty his might forever, whose eyes keep watch on the nations. Let not the rebellious exalt themselves. Bless our God, O peoples. Let the sound of his praise be heard, who has kept our soul among the living and has not let our feet slip. For you, O God, have tested us. You have tried us as silver is tried. You brought us into the net. You laid a crushing burden on our backs. You let men ride over our heads. We went through fire and through water. Yet you have brought us out to a place of abundance. I will come into your house with burnt offerings. I will perform my vows to you, that which my lips uttered and my mouth promised when I was in trouble. I will offer to you burnt offerings of fattened animals with the smoke of the sacrifice of rams. I will make an offering of bulls and goats. Come and hear all you who fear God, and I will tell what he has done for my soul. I cried to him with my mouth, and high praise was on my tongue. If I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. But truly God has listened. He has attended to the voice of my prayer. Blessed be God, because he has not rejected my prayer or removed his steadfast love from me. Pray with me. Father, we come before you uh, and we praise you. Uh, we, we come to you to witness uh, your awesome deeds as the psalmist has spoken. Father, we, uh, we see a beautiful Sunday morning and we're, we're so grateful for uh, this, this weather and uh, the, the fact that you have gathered us uh, this morning so that we can behold you, our God. Father, we're grateful Uh, for the people around us and the fact that you have spoken to us in your word. Father, we pray that you would bless uh, the reading and the the preaching of your word so that we would know you more, so that we would go forth uh, and proclaim your glory to the nations, uh, for you are worthy. Father, we pray that you would speak through Gary and move by your spirit in us uh, to know you more, to bear fruit uh, for your glory. Uh, so that all nations may come to you and worship. Father, we pray for this school, the people who go to this school as uh, students who work here as teachers and administrators. Uh, Father, we pray for mercy and hope and life uh, all the days of this week uh, and this month and this year. Um, We live in a in a dark place, and so we, we ask for your light to shine uh, and your truth uh, to be um, known. Father, we pray for peace. Um, speak to us this morning. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. When I was in the Air Force, um, I would be where you're sitting, and there'd be a speaker up here, and most of the time, he was a high-ranking individual going through some slides, 
and it would be very dark up here and it would be light in the audience. I now see why those high-ranking individuals had the power <laughs> and they made the decision, <laughs> turn those lights off so I can see who I'm preaching. All right. Good morning. My name is Gary. I'm an elder uh, here at Free City Church. It's my privilege to bring the word to you this morning. Um, last week, Casey said we're going to be in the book of Matthew, um, except for a few one-offs. Well, this is the first, a week later, the first of the one-offs. There is a reason why I'm not in the book of Matthew. I'm in the book of Psalms. Um, I've known for a few months I was going to preach on Psalm 66, uh, and I was supposed to preach toward the end of the summer, and uh, <clears throat> also towards the end of the summer, we had a vacation in Europe with our to meet our daughter who lives over in Leipzig, Germany with her husband and our grandson. Uh, and we spent the two and a half week vacation with them. And then because of canceled flights and uh, late rebookings, we got two more weeks of vacation <laughs> in Europe, uh, solving all kinds of problems in foreign languages and on our phones and uh, ending up with a uh, 36 hour bus ride from Newark to Kansas City on a Greyhound, it's fun. People have asked, how, how was that? How was that riding on the Greyhound bus? I said, well, pretty much what you would expect. <laughs> um, I, told the, I told Doreen the other day, my wife Doreen, I, in a weird way, I miss that bus ride. <laughs> I miss some of those things. Again, it was a weird way. I don't know why I feel this <laughs> All right, so, so here we are in Psalm 66. And because I had some extra time, you know, I, I tried to figure several ways to, to do this. I came up with several outlines, but finally I thought, well, boy, can I just condense the whole psalm down into one sentence with five phrases? Well, I didn't think of five phrases, but one sentence. And I did, and it turned out to have five phrases, and I think maybe you can go ahead and put that first slide up. I only have two slides. Um, and the first one, there it is. Uh, these are the phrases that, um, at least as I went through it, these suggested themselves to me. Remembering all God has done for me through trials and deliverances, I worship and praise him with great rejoicing. I fulfill my vows to him. I call others to see and hear what God has done for me. And I look confidently for him to hear and answer my prayers and deliver me for the rest of my life. All right? Let's go through that once more and pick out the verses that supply those phrases. Remembering all God has done for me through trials and deliverances. We see trials in verse 10. You, O oh God, have tested us. You've tried us as silver is tried, and it goes on. Deliverances, verse 6. He turned the sea into dry land. They passed over the river on foot. Remembering all those things, I do four things. I worship and praise him with great rejoicing. That's verses one through four. Shout to, uh, for joy to God, all the earth. And it goes on. The second thing, I fulfill my vows to him. Verse 13, I will come into your house with burnt offerings. I will perform my vows to you. And he goes on. The third thing, I call others to see and hear what God has done for me. Verse five, come and see what God has done. Verse 16, come and hear what God has done for my soul. And then the fourth thing I do, I look confidently for him to hear and answer my prayers and deliver me. And that's 17 through 20, but verse 20, blessed be God who has not rejected my prayer or removed his steadfast love from me. Uh, Kevin, thank you for praying. Thank you for reading the word. Thank you for praying. Let's, let's take another moment and pray again. Lord, uh, no matter how much time I spent preparing, how much time I spent practicing, this is the moment, and it, it can't be practiced. And uh, so thank you for the incredible privilege of speaking to this group of people who've carved out time to be here, present before you, to hear the preaching of your word. My words can only do so much. They can affect um, eardrums. Uh, Lord, your voice in the secret place of our hearts. That's where, that's where the work really gets done, and I can't even touch that. Would you do your work as I speak your word? Would you speak your words to our hearts? And convict, encourage, draw us closer. 
We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Remembering all God has done in my life through trials and deliverances. So you, you can tell from that sentence, those phrases just kind of jump all over the song. I'm not apologetic. I'm going to jump all over that song. And I can't cover everything, but I'm going to cover the things I can. Five points is too much. I know that. We should have three points, right? And a poem. Uh, but, uh, but I have five. And the first one is remembering all God has done through, in my life through trials and deliverances. Remembering is important to the Lord. He loves it when we remember the things he's done for us. What great things has God done for you? In fact, take a moment right now and think, what are the top two things that jump to mind that God has done in my life? I'm going to give you 10 seconds. All right? Go. All right, 10 seconds feels like a long time when we're sitting silently, doesn't it? But hopefully you came up with at least one and, and maybe a couple of wonderful things that God has done to deliver you from a trial or just gifts that he's given. Um, all right, we're not gonna take time to share all those things. We don't have time to do that, but, um, but I wanted you to do that because this is what, this is important to God, remembering what he's done. How many psalms and other passages go back and repeat memorable events in the life of Israel? Uh, deliverances he gave, uh, their failures, um, and entire psalms and other passages dedicated to the history of Israel for the purpose of setting the current generation straight. I came up with five psalms, Psalm 78, 105, 106, 135, and 136, and also Nehemiah chapter 9. It's a long chapter where uh, they go back and they review what God has done and brought them to this place. And uh, so it's important. Even there are two examples in this psalm. Verse 6, the deliverances. He turned the sea into dry land. That's the first one. Of course, what is that? That's the parting of the Red Sea. Israel is escaping from the Egyptian army, and um, they run up against the Red Sea. They're caught between the sea and the army, and God parts the Red Sea, and they walk through on dry land. The second one, uh, there's another one. They pass through the river on foot. That's not the same one. That's a different one. In fact, that's 40 years later after they've been wandering in the wilderness and they come over to the east side of the Jordan and they're looking west to Jericho where the walls are trembling and about to fall down. And, but they've got to get across the Jordan River in flood stage. And so the, at the God's command, the priests pick up the Ark of the Covenant and as soon as the first one's foot steps in the water, he piles up the river. The Lord piled up the river in great heaps way up north. The rest of the river flowed south into the Dead Sea, and they walked through again on dry ground. And not only that, but each tribe had one member that as he crossed through, they, he picked up a stone. And when they crossed the Jordan River, these 12 men built a memorial, a monument of remembrance, uh, so that, would, that children see that monument. And in future generations, the Lord said, when your children see it and ask you, you tell them about me piling up the water in heaps and you cross over on dry land not to mention the walls of Jericho falling down and uh, taking over the promised land but that's what it's for a monument of remembrance and I just asked do you have monuments of remembrance um, Paul Taylor a few months ago came up, came, came up here and spoke about his journal of gratitude that's a monument of remembrance where he writes down things that he's grateful for and at the end of the year goes back and reviews it. My wife, Doreen, has a very simple list compared to a journal of gratitude. Uh, she calls it blessings and answers to prayer. And she just writes down blessings God gives, answers to prayer that she sees. And uh, goes back and reviews that. Those are monuments of remembrance. The two sacraments that we practice in church, baptism and communion, are monuments of remembrance. Remember Jesus on the night he was betrayed took bread and wine and he said take this and eat it and drink it as often as you do it do it in remembrance of me baptism what happens when we have this trough over here before we dunk them in the trough to baptize them what do they do they stand up and they give a monument of remembrance this is what my life was like before I knew Jesus Christ this is how I came to Jesus and this is what my life is, looks like now so remembrance is important 
What's the benefit of remembering? Well, among other things, it reminds me of the time when God powerfully worked on my behalf. And my problem is I forget those things and myself wants to get back on the throne of my life. Remembering what God has done with all of its power takes me back off the throne and puts the Lord back on the throne. Remember last week, Casey talked about that tiny Herod who uh, was very jealous of his throne, uh, the real Herod, um, afraid that this newborn king would usurp his throne. And we have a tiny Herod inside of our heart. We don't want Jesus to take the throne, and he tries to usurp it. But we have to, remembering the great things God has done puts him back on there. So, remembering, I worship and praise him with great rejoicing when I remember so you've heard it read at least a couple of times, but shout for joy to God, all the earth. Sing the glory of his name. Give to him glorious praise. Say to God, he even tells us what to say. Say to God, how awesome are your deeds. So great is your power that your enemies come cringing to you. All the earth worships you and sings praises to you. They sing praises to your name. When I read those verses, what comes to my mind? What comes to your mind? Well, what comes to my mind is God's relationship with me. He does not want it to regress to business as usual. He wants to, us to bring him into every instance of our life. And so every fresh demand on our time, every fresh thing that, that happens to us in life, we bring God into it and worship remains fresh and why walk with him remains fresh. Nine times in the Bible, uh, the, the phrase new song is mentioned. Usually it's in the Psalms. Sing to him a new song. But in eternity, there are two places in Revelation where a group of people are singing a new song to God. That's what we'll be engaged in all of eternity. We'll be singing new songs to God, keeping our walk fresh, keeping our relationship with him fresh. Well, why does he give us verses one through four besides that? Well, because most of us, including myself, just will not uh, worship, will not rejoice unless I've trained myself to it or unless somebody's leading me in worship. Even if I have a great time of rejoicing, I so quickly regress to a spirit of complaining. Maybe you uh, do that as well. So almost always, if I'm going to rejoice, I need to make a decision to rejoice, right? When it's easy and when it's difficult. But even when it's easy, uh, we don't tend to rejoice and to thank and praise. But when it's easy, when it's difficult. A few weeks ago, Doreen read to me a couple of tweets uh, that Beth Moore tweeted about her marriage with her husband, Keith. First tweet, Keith and I have fallen in and out of love about 500 times. But right now, by the Lord's sweet grace and enduring strength, we're in. Second tweet. <laughs> of course, it's only 10 a.m. <laughs> so choosing, choosing to love, and when you fall out of love, choosing to fall back in love again. It doesn't just happen. And by the same token, choosing to rejoice, even when it's easy. The psalm makes it clear that we're not spared from trials, right? Verse, uh, verses 10 through 12, you have tested us. You've tried us as silver is tried. You've brought us into the net. You've laid a crushing burden on our backs, and it goes on. We are not spared. So choosing to rejoice when it's easy and when it's difficult. James gives us both instances. Um, he says, uh, is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praises. And then he says, uh, consider it all joy when you encounter various trials. Joy in trials, joy when you're cheerful. Uh, make a choice to rejoice. Uh, that's what the book of Philippians is all about. All right. Um, my father-in-law, Doreen's dad, Warren Myers, um, did pioneering work, <clears throat> excuse me, did pioneering work as a missionary in India and then later in China and Hong Kong. And, but in India... When he was still working in India, he, uh, he had several pockets of believers in cities of India that he would go and visit, kind of like Paul did. And um, he would encourage them and bless them. Well, one, one year when he was uh, in India, towards the beginning of the trip, a taxi dropped him off at the hotel he was going to be staying at. They got their luggage, went into the room, 
and started to put things away. And before very few minutes went by, the taxi had left already. Uh, Warren realized, Dad realized, he left his briefcase in the uh, in that whether it was a taxi or a tuk-tuk, you know, one of these little three-wheelers. I don't know what it was, but he left it with the, with the taxi driver. Well, um, this was the day before cell phones, the day before laptops, the day before things in the cloud that you could just pull down. His life was in this briefcase. Um, all of his notes, all of his messages, all of his uh, ministering tools, all of his things he was going to give out, all of his schedule, where he was going, when he was going to be there, who he was going to meet, this was his life. Uh, it was gone suddenly. <laughs> um, panic began to set in, as it, you might expect, as it would with you, as it would with me. Um, but he was a man of God. He is a man of God. He's with the Lord now. And he knew these verses in James. He knew First Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. This is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Easy for us to say those words in here, isn't it? <laughs> this is where the rubber meets the road for dad and mom. They both uh, got down in obedience and they prayed and they thanked the Lord for his sovereign control, even allowing them to forget that briefcase. And they praised him. They... <laughs> this is an act of obedience, right? <laughs> With no heart feeling at all. But as an act of obedience, they worshiped and they praised. And they started to feel better, started to put stuff away again. The panic came back. They prayed again, <laughs> committed it to the Lord. Then the briefcase doesn't always come back, <laughs> right? Um, but as they were praying, there was a knock at the door. This taxi driver had realized that Warren had left his briefcase. He'd remembered who it was. He'd already had a couple of other fares by then. He remembered who had left it, and he remembered where he dropped it off, and then he took the trouble to go back and return the briefcase to Warren and Ruth. And then they had another time of rejoicing, <laughs> this time with all their hearts. Uh, thank you, Lord, for bringing that back to us. Um, so choosing to rejoice in hard times and in easy times. In the lowest of the low, in our two-week extra vacation, Doreen and I had a similar one. I'm, I won't give the details, but we had thought we had lost her passport and her driver's license to a taxi driver. Uh, that taxi driver never responded to any of our calls, uh, but we did find it later. And, but in the lowest of the low, we were nine days past the time we were supposed to be back home already, trial after trial, and in the worst uh, I was beating myself up because I thought it was my fault. But as uh, the sleepless night wore on, I ground out between clenched teeth. I rejoice. <laughs> I didn't feel it. <laughs> I said the word, okay? And then a few minutes later, I rejoice. And uh, I wasn't rejoicing, but I said it. <laughs> By obedience, I knew the right thing to do. Um, you don't always get it back, but we did get her passport and her driver's license back. And we embraced and we rejoiced and we thanked the Lord with all of our hearts too. Joy is a sort of mysterious thing to me. It's a river that goes deeper than happiness, deeper than sorrows or trials, deeper than all those things. And the joy through these things may not always look like what we expect joy to look like. For example, Hebrews 12.2, talking about Jesus. For the joy set before him, he what? He endured the cross. He despised its shame. And then he realized joy. He did sit down at the right hand of the throne of God. But if you'd have seen his face, I, th I think going through the beating, uh, trying to carry his cross, being crucified, um, I don't think we'd have seen what we would describe as joy. Was joy involved? Yes. For the joy set before him, he endured these things. Choosing to rejoice when it's hard. So to myself, I say, and maybe you say it to yourself, 
whatever you're facing, Gary, whatever you're facing right now, even if it's the worst trial you'll ever face in your life, joy is set before you. What will you choose to do? C.S. Lewis has his uh, character screw tape, a demon who is mentoring Wormwood. He says to Wormwood, do not be deceived, Wormwood. Our cause is never more in danger than when a human, no longer desiring but still intending to do our enemy's will, looks around upon a universe from which every trace of him seems to have vanished and asks why he's been forsaken and still obeys. I think at least to a degree hell shakes a little when we obey and we rejoice when we don't feel like it. All right, so remembering what God has done in trials and, and uh, deliverances, I rejoice with great rejoicing. I praise with great rejoicing. The second thing, I fulfill my vows to him. Verse 13 through 15, I will come into your house with burnt offerings. I will perform my vows to you, which my lips uttered and my mouth promised when I was in trouble. I will offer to you burnt offerings of fattened animals with the smoke and of the sacrifice of rams, I will make an offering of bulls and goats. All right, that's a lot of talk about killing animals and burning them up, isn't it? They did that back then, and it was a sacrifice, and it was a vow that David had made. By the way, it doesn't say David wrote this. See, Charles Spurgeon thinks David wrote it. That's good enough for me. So, so, uh, so his offerings did include those burnt things. We don't do that anymore. What does it look like for us? I have just two, two scriptures, one very overall, um, overarching idea of what it means uh, to sacrifice and fulfill my vows to him. Romans 12.1, I urge you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, which is your spiritual service of worship. So the overarching thing is, what does it look like? to sacrifice and pay my vows, I give my entire life to him. Okay, that's a great start. What might that look like? And, you know, I'm really impressed with Hebrews 13, 15, and 16. Um, it, it says sacrifice in there twice, and it tells us what sacrifices the Lord is pleased with. Through him, then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to him, that is the fruit of lips that give thanks to his name. So sacrificing starts with an attitude of praise and thanksgiving. And then he goes on, do not neglect doing good and sharing with such sacrifices the Lord is pleased. These are our sacrifices. And by the way, we are. Who gave sacrifices? Priests. Are we priests? Absolutely. Uh, you are, a, Peter calls us, uh, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. We, we offer up sacrifices as well. And that's all I'm giving to I fulfill my vows. <laughs> to save time. Um, but in terms of fulfilling our commitments to the Lord, the next section, I call others to see and hear what God has done for me. What, what, uh, what commandment are we talking about? We're talking about the Great Commission, the commission that Jesus gave his disciples. I treat the Great Commission as I fulfill my vows to him and I fulfill my responsibilities to him. I treat the Great Commission as binding on me. So verse 5, come and see what the Lord has done for me. He is, uh, what the Lord has done. He is awesome in his deeds toward the children of men. And verse 16, come and hear all you who fear God, and I will tell what he's done for my soul. Now, arguably, this is mostly written to believers, right? Come and hear all you who fear the Lord. But I go back to verse 4. All the earth worships you. In the New American Standard, all the earth will worship you. Now, they're not doing it yet. So one of my responsibilities is to call people in to that worship. Colossians 1.28 in the Phillips version says, so naturally we proclaim Christ. There was a point during my time as a student at KU between 76 and 80 that I became convinced that I needed to be sharing my faith on a regular basis with unbelievers. 
People who don't call Jesus their Savior. People who don't know a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. I'm not setting the world on fire with evangelism. I never have. But you know what it means to be a bold witness, by the way? It doesn't mean you're like a bull in a china shop and you just barge in and you grab people by the collar and turn or burn kind of thing, right? Um, what it means is when God brings an opportunity to share the gospel, you don't step back in fear. You step graciously into it. Um, that's all it means to be a bold witness. So I don't set the world on fire with evangelism, but I do share with others as the Lord brings opportunities. And I thought I might take uh, some time just to share a few stories. Um, I'm, an, I'm an introvert, okay? Um, you don't have to be an extrovert to be a witness. <laughs> In the, the summer of 1986, my grandmother was uh, within about six months of her death. Of course, we didn't know that at the time, but we knew that she was failing. I was in the Air Force. I was at Vandenberg Air Force Base on the west coast of California. She was here in Kansas. And um, for whatever reason, you know, the phone, I wasn't big on the phone back then, but I, I decided I'm going to write a letter. I don't know where Grandma stands with the Lord for sure, and so I'm going to write a letter, and I'm going to explain the gospel and ask her if she might think about receiving Jesus as her Savior. When I say the gospel, you know what I'm talking about. I'm just going to, I think of four verses. There are many verses I could use, but if I could simplify it, if maybe to one verse, for God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Nothing wrong with God's side. He loves us and wants us to have everlasting life. But unfortunately, you saw it up here earlier, Romans 3.23, all have sinned. And fall short of the glory of God. All of us born over here on this side. Away from God's love. Separated because of sin. And then three. Um, God wasn't willing to leave it like that. He demonstrates his love. Remember he loves us so much he sent his son. He demonstrated his love by sending his son. So that while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. And then the fourth point. Um. Here's another knock. Revelation 3.20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock, says Jesus Christ. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and will dine with him and he with me. And so I went through that in this letter to Grandma and, and said, would, if, you would like, if you think you would like to receive Christ, maybe pray. <clears throat> I never did hear back. But as I was doing this, and went through, going through the process of writing the letter and sending it off, I felt moved to pray, well, Lord, if she reads this and if she responds and if it means something, would you somehow give me, give me an indication? <laughs> I didn't know what in the world that might be. But would you, would you somehow get word back to me that she, she did respond? And uh, she died in January of 87. And uh, my mom was going through her things. And she opened up her purse and in her purse was this letter. <laughs> so um, was that the Lord um, giving me an indication that uh, she had read it and responded? With all my heart, I believe, yes. Um, she responded, I fully expect to see Grandma Edwards in heaven. Um, I might have anyway. Maybe that letter was just a reminder. I don't know. But I know the Lord answered my prayer, my weak little prayer. Could you let me know if she responded? Um, Hey, some of you, I know there's, there are many students here who are kind of new to the faith. You, you might think, man, I don't know very much. Well, I think I shared, I know I shared, I came to Christ as a freshman at the Air Force Academy, and then for three and a half years I did nothing spiritually, and then the Lord brought me back, and I was pretty excited to be back, and, but I didn't know much, and I wrote a letter to a friend I'd served with in the Philippines and shared what was going on in my life. He wrote back and said, hey, knowing you in the Philippines, I'm surprised to hear this about you. And so I wrote another letter, and I shared what I knew about the gospel, and I said, here's how I came to Christ. And he wrote back, and he uh, said, yeah, okay. I prayed to receive Christ too, and here's what he's doing in my life. So God can use letters, 
If you don't know very much, God can use what you have. Um, when I was a major in the Air Force, I was at a school called Air Command at Staff College at Maxwell Air Force Base, Montgomery, Alabama. And there were 600 students. Uh, I was in a seminar of about 17 students, and there was a man there, another major in the Air Force, uh, uh, a navigator. And we became friends quickly, kind of clicked. And uh, as we talked one day, this conversation came around to spiritual things. And I asked him if he would uh, be interested in praying to receive Christ. He said, yeah, I would. He prayed to receive Christ that day. And for the next nine months or so, about on the average of every week and a half, we met together, and I had the privilege of teaching him how to read a Bible and pray, have a quiet time, memorize some verses together. A few months after he prayed to receive Christ, his wife was uh, scheduled to have a surgery, and they woke up early that morning, and uh, they began to talk, and this conversation came around to spiritual things. He asked Jean, Jean, would you like to pray and ask Jesus into your life? said, yeah. And she did. And somehow, as they went to talk to the surgeon before the surgery, this story came out, and the surgeon identified with Christ, too. And the surgery was successful, and everything was great. Mo and Jean have been walking with the Lord for a few decades now, um, still serving the Lord. My brother, Jean, uh, when I was a freshman, uh, Thanksgiving, 1976, I was a freshman here at KU, I went home and visited my brother in Emporia and uh, spent some time that evening with him. And uh, the conversation came around to spiritual things. And um, I ended up sharing the gospel with Gene. I asked Gene, would you like to receive Jesus as your Savior? And he said, yeah, I would. We went out to, into his backyard and uh, we prayed together. He prayed and asked Jesus to come into his life. Gene and his wife, Tammy, have been walking with the Lord for decades now, since 1976. And Gene uh, has led a number of men to the Lord. Why do I share all these stories? God can use a humble guy who doesn't know all that much uh, to see people come to Christ. My sister, Kathy, worked for Dillon's, and she was traveling around the Midwest to help uh, install... Uh, new bits of software in Dillon's, and she stayed with us in Omaha, Nebraska, in one of her trips. And uh, after dinner one evening, the subject came around to spiritual things. And kind of, are you sensing the same, <laughs> the same thing? It doesn't mysteriously come around to spiritual things. You have to steer it slightly, uh, but it came around to spiritual things. And I ended up sharing the gospel with Kathy, and I, Kathy, would you like to receive Jesus? And yeah, she did. And uh, her husband, Ray, never really uh, was into spiritual things, and he didn't really come around. This was back in around 2004 that Kathy came to Christ. Uh, my father died in 2016. On the day of my dad's death, the family was gathered at the uh, family farmhouse. Ray and I, Kathy's husband, Ray, who wasn't really into spiritual things, went up to Council Grove to get some food and bring it back. And on the way back, it was a short nine-minute drive probably, I was able to share my testimony with Ray. And uh, when we got to the house, we stopped and just sat in the truck and talked for a while. And uh, he ended up saying, uh, Gary, uh, anytime you want to talk more about this, I want to listen to what you have to say. And so the day of my dad's funeral, which is a few days later, I went ahead and on a piece of paper, eight and a half by 11, I just wrote out by hand the points of the gospel. And um, challenged him to maybe think about praying to receive Christ. And a few months later, um, he had been diagnosed with cancer. He said, he called me up, said, I want to come visit with Kathy. I want to talk about the disposition of the inheritance since your dad died, and I want to talk about religion. And so uh, they came and paid us a visit where we live now, and uh, I was loaded for bear, and uh, at Turns out I didn't have to do anything, but I was ready to just go through the gospel and let him pray to receive Christ. But in the interim, he had already prayed on his own to receive Christ. And, uh, and then he died uh, in 2017. I fully expect to see Ray in heaven, of course. And uh, my sister, Kathy, has been going to 12th Avenue Baptist Church. She reads through the Bible every year. And so God has brought fruit. I'll share one more. 
you never know who you're going to share the gospel with. Um, I was a commander of the ROTC detachment in Omaha, Nebraska from 2002 to 2005. One of my cadets, a man named Aaron Sign, a real leader of men, just a natural leader and a real character, just a funny guy. Somehow, we were off at Air Force Base together uh, near Omaha uh, one day, and we were alone. I don't know how this happened, but I ended up sharing the gospel with him, and he ended up praying to receive Christ. And he was a funny guy. He wrote a card a few days later and sent me this card and said, I owe you, I owe you one eternal life. And, uh, <laughs> you know, that's bad theology. He doesn't owe me anything. But he was just expressing his joy and his thankfulness and his new life in Christ. And uh, <clears throat> as a commander of that detachment, you know, I had awards come in uh, throughout the year, especially at the end of the year. And awards come in that I can give to different students. And you can't play favorites. You have to have uh, a rank ordering of cadets. Uh, but it was Aaron's turn. He was up for this, whatever award would come in. And this nice award with a $300 stipend came in. And so I called him into my office and said, Aaron, um, I've got an award. I want to give this to you. I just want you to know this is going to happen. And he said, oh, sir, take, take this award and you give it to somebody else, please. I, I ask you to do that. I said, well, I'm not showing favor. You deserve to be where you're at. And this award came in. It, I think it can be a help. You should use it. You should take it. I said, sir, please, I, I, I want you to take it, and I want you to give it to somebody else. And as the conversation went on, um, he revealed to me that he was the sole heir of his grandfather's business, which was worth, at that time, $1.4 billion. Not, not M, billion with a B, $1.4 billion, and he didn't need my $300 stipend. <laughs> You just never know who you're sharing with. <laughs> it's crazy. All right. Well, by God's grace, sometimes I'm afraid that when I'm preaching, it becomes more about me than about God. I, I was just a tiny cog. By God's grace, I was a link in the chain of all that God had been doing in these lives from their birth and it's still going on today. I was a tiny link in that chain, and I had the privilege of being the one that led him to Christ, but God is doing so much more than I ever did. But by the same token, you are, everybody sitting in here, you are a link in the chain of events of at least one person, probably multiple persons that God is working in, to either bring them to Christ or mature them in Christ. Don't be the missing link. All right. Whether you're introverted or extroverted, it's still a push. Uh, but the rewards are great. You know, we talk about joy being used by God to bring somebody closer to Christ or bring somebody to Christ. It's joy through the roof. Well, um, so I also close things up, I not only remembering God's goodness and his deliverances through trials, um, I rejoice with great rejoicing, I uh, fulfill my vows, I call others to come and see and hear, and then finally, I look confidently for him to hear and answer my prayers and deliver me for the rest of my life. So look at verse 17, and it's been read already by Ethan, but I'll read it again. I cried to him with my mouth. And high praise was on my tongue. This is what <clears throat> our prayers sometimes look from our side. High praise on my tongue. You know, sometimes our prayers are kind of broken little things. But the Holy Spirit, right? We don't know how to pray as we should, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings too deep for words according to the will of God. And this is in Romans 8, of course. And so what does it look like when those broken prayers or those high praises, what does it look like from God's perspective? Well, in Revelation 5.8, there's a portrayal of the prayers of the saints as they come up before God. And what's that portrayal? It's a golden bowl full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. It's not a Tupperware container full of leftovers. It's a golden bowl full of incense, the most costly metal of the time known. Um, and incense. Now, some of you don't really care for incense, I bet. Okay, 
think about Cinnabon, all right? <laughs> the smell of cinnamon rolls cooking in the oven, okay? This is what our prayers, even the broken ones, by the time they get to God, it's incense, it's cinnamon rolls in a golden bowl in the presence of God. It's soothing, it is attractive, it's attention-getting. This is how God sees our prayers. Well, what's the point of all this? My point is this. Sometimes my disciplines, my prayer life can be hard work and it can feel like drudgery. I'll just tell you, it can feel like drudgery and sometimes I dread my time of prayer. I hate to even say those words, but I bet you feel kind of the same way. Well, thinking about how God sees my prayers, even my broken ones, turns what might be hard work and drudgery into pure joy. And, you know, just walking along even, just to know that I can toss up a prayer and it becomes incense, something that brings great pleasure to God. Why would I not pray without ceasing? Why would I not do these things? All right. So, high praise. But what can clog the channel of prayer? If I cherish iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. Verse 18. The Lord does want us to repent thoroughly, of course, but you don't have to dive down into the least tiny little thing that you think might be causing you to sin. I just have five words for you in terms of sin in your heart. Be cleansed of known sin, okay? I heard my father-in-law say that many times. Just as I even speak now, and as uh, Ethan led us earlier in a time of confession, things pop into your mind immediately. I think I might be cherishing something in my heart. Whatever that thing might be, I, won't, I could give a list. Okay, I'll give a list. Laziness, lust, gluttony, greed, envy, wrath, and pride. What people call the seven deadly sins. Do any of those ring a bell? Is there anything you need to repent of? Be cleansed of known sin. And then what does he say? But truly God has listened. He has attended to the voice of my prayer. Well, so do I pray? If I'm cleansed of known sin, do I then pray as though God is really listening? Do I pray real prayers to a real God and expect real answers? Okay, we're about to close here, but I, remember how we took 10 seconds to talk about um, deliverances God has given? Let's take 10 seconds right now and think, if Jesus was sitting right beside me and I was talking to him, what would I ask him for? What would, what would I ask? Think of one or two things that just pop to mind. Okay, 10 seconds from now. All right, I think that's about 10 seconds. Um, okay, I tried, I kind of tricked you a little bit. And, and here's how. I lead, I lead a little team called the prayer team. And you know, every week behind those curtains, we have a man on that side, a woman on that side, a man and a woman on this side, and they would desire nothing better in life in the next 15 minutes than to pray with people who need prayer. And you know, every single one of us, if we think about it, we have loads of stuff we need prayer for. Can you pray for it by yourself and get God's answer and get God's help? Absolutely, you can. Um, but we have a prayer team. We tend to take it a little more seriously when we pray with somebody else and we verbalize what we really would like the Lord to do. I highly encourage you. Um, overwhelm my prayer team <laughs> this morning. You've already thought of the thing that you need prayer for. Please spend some time. You might think, oh, Gary's up here. He's got it all together. He never needs prayer. He would never have to stop. But you know what? If I see my prayer team uh, idle and I've, I'm, I uh, am just kind of hanging around back there, I'll go and I'll just say, hey, would you pray for me for one or two things? Um, I learned that from a guy named Evan. That if I wasn't praying with somebody, he would always come up for prayer just, just because. Because we always need prayer. All right. We have a prayer team. Let's make use of it. All right, suddenly I've come to the end of my notes. Um, 
for we talked at length about remembering. So now, let's take time to remember the event that made our relationship with God, the Father, possible. The death of his son, Jesus Christ, on the cross for us. His body broken and his blood poured out, and afterwards his resurrection. We celebrate this each week, and the communion folks can come forward. We celebrate each week by remembering that the Lord Jesus, on the night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he'd given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. As often as you drink it, do it in remembrance of me. Don't forget me, says Jesus. So as we move to communion, there are three possible movements for you. If you trust Jesus Christ as your Savior, come forward. Take the bread and wine representing the body and blood of Jesus. As our passage says, remember, celebrate, and rejoice as you take it. Um, we have bread, we have wine in the uh, cup that you can't see through, and the transparent cup is grape juice. If you're not to the point of trust Je trusting Jesus yet for your salvation, uh, you may just want to stay seated and pray about what it means. Think about what it means to trust in Jesus to pay for your sins with his very blood. And if you come to us this morning and you haven't done that, boy, I would challenge you. As I asked, you know, I've, I shared the gospel very briefly. If that meant something to you and you haven't trusted Jesus, just like I asked all those people I talked about this morning, would you consider praying and asking Jesus into your heart this morning? He will. He promises. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if you sense that you need prayer about some specific issue, you know, I've already talked about it. Our prayer team would be delighted to pray with you. Let me close in prayer. Lord, thank you for this time. Thank you for Psalm 66. Thank you for David, who is most probably the author, and uh, a broken vessel himself, but a heart after uh, after you. And Lord, as we remember, you have done miraculous things in our lives. You really have. Every single one could come up here and share stories of what you've done in our lives. Help us to remember. And as we remember, help us to rejoice with great rejoicing, worship and praise you. Help us to keep our commitments that we've made to you. Help us to bring others into uh, a relationship with you and help us to continue to pray to you. Pray real prayers to a real God and expect real answers. We pray all this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Come when you're ready. <laughs>